Hello and welcome to the Pilgrim's Digress. This is the final Pilgrim's Digress of the first season of part one. See the gate, baby. Yes. We're there. Absolutely. This is going to be uh, emotional. Hmm. We might have to t- stop and just pause and just kind of collect ourselves a few times. Honestly, I don't know about you, but reading the last bit of it, I always do get like really emotional uh, when I'm get, reading the, the get, get some goose pimples, kind of get excited, want to go home. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of, Paul's words about, you know, kind of being done, wanting to go be with the Lord, but- uh, I guess I have business here, you know. It's interesting. Suddenly, suddenly start ringing true. You remember that uh, bit, maybe you don't, uh, Seinfeld bit about how <laughs> he doesn't have any fear of death because he just thinks about all the things that he's done with, like all oh. things he'll never have to do again. Interesting. Um, and, it, you know, obviously it's just for yucks, but the believer can, with a, a straight face and, and a full heart, say, yeah, mm. all of the trials and struggles and toil I will be done with, and all of the reward I will have forever. Yeah. Uh, what a beautiful promise. And and I get how the atheist can say, of course, Christians, like all religions, are going to hold on to the notion of eternal life and eternal bliss. It's some evolutionary tactic to deal with this struggle of, of life once, you know, once you become self-aware and you start pondering your own existence or something. And I also recognize that this is anecdotal and it's not evidence that's going to satiate anyone else's skepticism. But when I read Revelation 21 and, you know, and, and when, I, when I read to the end and I, mm. and I read uh, Paul's yearning for, we were just talking about how many sirens you hear here. There it is. You may or may not hear that in the background. That's someone you, else. Maybe. You know where you won't hear that? In the city, baby. You won't hear that in the celestial city. Yeah, absolutely. That That is the yearning, right? The hope that we will someday be able to just kind of put down the sword, put down yeah. the uh, the pickaxe that, you know, you're, you're in the mines of life and be able to rest. Mm. And that's a, a beautiful image. Now, I always talk about what I changed, or I try to always remember to talk about what I changed. Here, I changed order of things for the mm. most part. Because uh, the end of the Pilgrim's Progress, as Bunyan relates it, is that these faithful pilgrims come to the end, they cross over the river, they enter into their rest. It's amazing. Bunyan himself, the dreamer, would like to go in and see what they see, but he can't because it's close to him for the time being. And then... He turns his, he's like, well, I'm still on this side. I'm going to turn my my gaze down toward something terrible and end the whole story, the whole epic with a downer. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I joked previously that it's a little, maybe just a little taste of, you know, puritanical warning mm-hmm. where, you know, you are constantly sounding the alarm, right? You're constantly wanting to whip people up to questions about their own salvific state. But even and sinners in the hands of an angry God, it gives us like sure. five horrific images. But then it says, but now mm-hmm. the day has come when the, yeah. the door is thrown wide to salvation. So Maybe it's just a one-up. <laughs> I'm even more of a downer than yeah. you, yeah. Edwards. Here you go. Uh, before you're born. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there, there is certainly a, I think people 
scoff at this today. And I even may myself, you know, you see someone holding a sign that says repent or burn or something. And you say, well, what good is that going to do? And no one's going to see that and actually repent. Right. Apparently that hasn't always been the case, or at least uh, let me point you to the Sermon on the Mount, right? Jesus ends, like even the way it's translated sometimes, they try to end it on a, a, a up note. You know, if you have a little more paraphrastic, but he ends this whole sermon, not with the guy who built the house on the sand, you know, the winds come in like they did last night mm. uh, here in, in Michigan. I saw one of these awnings at a gas station where it was tipped down, on, on, like it fell over. Um, but yeah, that, that house couldn't stand. It fell over. But the one who built his house upon the rock, the winds and come, the storm rages uh, and the rain beats down and all is well. Okay, everybody, I'll be healing now, you know, in the lobby. But that's not the way that it is in the in the original text. It ends with the guy who built this house on the sand, the storm coming in, it falls over. And then the last words of the Sermon on the Mount, the way Jesus delivered it are, and how great is that crash? Mm. That's the end. Like it ends with uh, destruction. Mm. So Bunyan's following in that yeah. And yet I didn't follow Bunyan. Yeah. I, I, I'd already given myself some poetic license and I don't know. I feel like as long as that last episode has both ignorance, finding that his vain hope is mm. vain hope. And then, um, you know, our, our pilgrims finding the reward for all their toils and suffering. Well, and to be fair, we did end with an epilogue that is death, right? Right. There's hope, but I mean, it is the death of Christian. He has died in the realest of real worlds. He's a dead man now. His, you know, wife is a widow. Um, uh, his, you know, children no longer have a father to uh, guide them or preach to them or express the gospel. So there is a level of sadness that is still conveyed, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there, yeah, there's, there's hope in the midst of trouble, mm. but not for Christian and not for faithful yeah. and not for hopeful anymore. There's and ever again. Yeah. There's yep. not even a need for hope. Yeah. Uh, there's not a need for faith. Yeah. That's only love a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, and of course that is why the greatest of these is love is eternal. Mm. Um, yeah, let me read just, this is a very short passage. I'm just going to read it as it's given. Now, while I was gazing upon all these things, I turned my head to look back and saw ignorance come up the riverbank. He soon crossed over and without half the difficulty with which Christian and hopeful had met. <laughs> <laughs> For it happened that in that place there was one vain hope, a ferryman, who with his boat helped him over. So I watched as he ascended the hill to come up to the gate. Only he came alone, for not a single man came to meet him with the least encouragement. When he came up to the gate, he looked up to the writing inscribed above the gate and began to knock, supposing that he should quickly be permitted entrance. But the men who peered over the top of the gate asked, Where'd you come from? And what is your desire? So I think it's interesting that he doesn't have any difficulty in death. Hmm. I've often seen, and I've often told people that I've seen unbelievers die and I've seen believers die. And almost to a one, the unbeliever, if they're not drugged out of their mind so that they'll be comfortable, uh, is terrified. Yeah. And the believer is at peace. Now, there are instances where that doesn't quite happen. And I think Christian will be an example of that, where there is some fear of death, you know, and fear of the unknown. But yeah, what a what an interesting idea that, that you could even up to your own death. The unbeliever, though, knows that they're an unbeliever, right? To to some extent. Ignorance, to me, right? This is, this is a guy who's caught in that Matthew 7 thing where his assumption in death is, oh, you're going to open the gate. 
you will let me in. Yeah. I will hear, you know, good and well done, you know, faithful servant enter my rest. Absolutely. No question. And then to be met with, depart from me, you worker of evil doing, I never knew you. Yeah. It's a shock. It's a surprise. What like do you Matthew mean? Matthew 25. Yeah. When did any of this happen? When yeah. I, I was under a very different impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he, for the, the vessel or the man himself to be named vain hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all on the nose, but that one's yeah. really on the nose. Yeah. What, what brings him over skating over the troubles that Christian faces is the vainest of hopes. Yeah. Uh, he is placed essentially, I mean, w- we've heard at length, maybe too much length from ignorance, <laughs> what his hope is rooted in. It's rooted in, in his life. Yeah. I've been a very good liver, he mm-hmm. says. Uh, and it's rooted in his Good works, which have been supercharged by Jesus' blood. Yep. That, yikes. Not that, quite. How many people go to their deaths, church-going people, thinking mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Uh, I, I need Jesus, yes. But mostly, what I'm hanging on to is, I did a good job. I look back, and I did more good than bad. Right. You know, I my, my I obviously did something right with my kids, because they're all happily married, and my grandkids are adorable. And, you know, it, everything seems to have gone according to plan. And mm-hmm. now I'm going to get what I've got coming. Yeah, uh, you will. Yikes. Yeah, so these two guys we are going to find out are Moses and Elijah. And I don't know how it is that Moses, Moses must take a leave of absence and say to Elijah, cover me, when he goes and threatens <laughs> to burn people's houses down and sure. then beats yeah. them up. <laughs> um, where did you come from? What is your desire? And he answered, I have eaten and drank in the presence of the king and he has taught in our streets. Hmm. And? Yeah. That's that's your Where's that's his confession. Where's our yeah? That's his creed. Okay, I mean, how many people did that with Jesus while he was alive? Judas. Yeah, I ate with him. I slept with him. Yeah, I mean, I, did, I slept around him surly while we're you know traveling around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah. We we were warmed by the same fire every single night. Yeah. Yep. I know and, what his snoring sounds like. I know this guy. Yeah, uh, and you know, that doesn't mean anything. You know, it's, it 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 just doesn't that level of intimacy, you know? I think Peter makes that really clear that, you know, he when, you know, when he talks about those not seeing him are even more blessed mm. in their faith. The seeing with him and eating with him in really when he was here, that doesn't, you know, bring anything. What a I, great blessing for these sure. people. And what a great uh, comfort to those of us who come after and read about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's not the end goal is for us in our brokenness to rub shoulders with him. Yeah. We commune with him more closely at the Lord's table. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, we, that's why he instituted the Lord's Supper, even with those who ate with him every day. Uh, and and so, yeah, he ate when, and, and uh, so, yeah, I have eaten and drank in his presence and he's taught in our streets, but they don't, they don't even comment on it. They just ask him for one thing and that yeah. is his certificate so that they might go in and show it to the king. This is a, a interesting thing to me that St. Peter's not the one at the gate, hmm. as is always the case in jokes and, and sermon illustrations and stuff, and cartoons, uh, and that it's not even like, let me see if your name's in the book. Hmm. Obviously, he could have gone that direction with this allegory and just taken that straight from the book of Revelation, but he's emphasizing, no, you got to hang on to that thing. Yeah. And, and it, what an interesting thing for a guy who's... Uh, definitively Calvinistic in his beliefs to say, no, you got to hold on. You've got to overcome to the end. That's the P in the tulip. That's the perseverance of the saints. If you haven't hung on to the end, you've shown that you weren't elect from before the foundation of the earth. You know, you should have faith, right? The faith that saves is to the end. Yeah. If it ever falters, then it wasn't genuine faith. You know, it's... 
isn't that convenient for mm. you Christians? Right. Um, yeah, I've heard I've heard recently a number of um, gosh, I'm not on TikTok, but TikToks. <laughs> I'm on a <laughs> I'm on some channels that that have people interacting with what young people are saying and what they find compelling. Hmm. And a lot of it seems to be very simplistic arguments that are very satisfying uh, that will tear down. Like, for example, you know, one person badly editing themselves uh, in two different outfits, trying to have a conversation um, where there's like a moment of like, not even silence, but like white noise. And then they kind of like nod imperceptibly. And then they say the next line. Uh, But like, I used to be a Christian. What do you mean you used to be a Christian? If you aren't a Christian now, you were never a Christian. Well, yes, I was, because what is the definition of a Christian? Well, somebody who believes in Jesus and follows his law or some sloppy kind of definition. And then, they, well, that was me. And you can't tell me that wasn't the case. You're just trying to redefine everything to be more convenient for you because it's uncomfortable for you that there is someone who was a Christian and then left. And it's like, no, it's not uncomfortable for us that there were people who are amongst us and left because that's what's promised. Because they were never of us. And that, and yes. the fact is that the from the very beginning that mm-hmm. was the explanation. They go they go, went out from us because they were not one of us. How do I know that? Well, if they were one of us, they would not have gone out from us. Yeah, simple as that. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Did ignorance ever go out from them, or or what? Well, I I think that to challenge that a bit would be that one of the proofs given pretty con, uh, pretty continually throughout the uh, New Testament is the love of the brethren, right? Being this proof being this thing that's being born inside of a Christian. And that to me is like, well, if you're loving the brethren, then you're wanting to be around the brethren. Mm -hmm. If he's not showing that as this fruit, oh, I can walk my own walk. I seemingly don't need a church. I don't need fellowship. I don't need to be led or ministered to in any way. I don't need all these things constantly referenced about being right, whipping, you know, each other up or outdoing one another in works of love. I don't need any of that. I can, I can get there myself. Okay. But one of the, again, one of the proofs, you know, Peter brings it up of our salvation is that we are loving the brothers. Uh, John brings it up as well in first John, right? Loving the brothers. This is a pretty consistent proof of our salvation. So I'd say he kind of departed in that he didn't want anything to do with Christ's bride, certainly. Yeah. Was he even part of the group? Yeah. To begin with? I'll... He was one of these people who thinks of himself as saved as an island, saved not into any church. Right. And that you cannot argue in the New Testament. We are a body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ, right? We are this, you know, we are this temple that we are being built upon the foundation, the cornerstone of Christ and the, you know, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. There's not even a category for the- Where's the- Where's the single guy walking along? Yeah. There he is. (laughs) There, There it is. Um- uh, there's not one because it's not real because you can't actually express a lot of Christian fruit alone. Um, and yeah, you can't, you, you can't do anything required of you alone. Now this comes early in church history though, mm-hmm. right? Um, desert mystics, people going off on their own, uh, begins the whole notion of, you know, uh, a monk who, mm-hmm. who is, totally cut off from society to be more holy before sure. long of course these monks go you know we could be more holy if we have a cloister of us a monastery of us together if we have a group of us and then we can be even more holy yet if that group is ministering to the world around so it kind of comes back around but like and it's usually heretics by the way 
Um, you know, Anthony, for example, um, of Egypt, there, there are a number of, you know, that early Aryan and other early aberrant teachings that come out of, I go off all by myself. There's no one there to hold me accountable. There's no, no one to teach me. There's no mm. one to, to say, yeah, but what about this other verse? Yeah. And then I just spin it out how, and that's, of course, you can do that without going out into the desert just by founding a mega church and forming, or even a small church and forming a, um, I do it this way by, by forming a church, whether it's a mega church or even a little church and just setting up the governance where no one can touch you. And, yeah. and you know, we, we protect the Lord's anointed and See the that. vision that God gave him and you can't question it. And if you question it, you're, you know, you're an agent of Satan. Okay. You've basically made like an urban monk out of this person. They're mm. completely cut off from any accountability. This is ignorance. Yeah. All the way. He won't He won't hear it. I will never believe my heart is that bad. And what does he say that in response to? Three or four scriptures quoted to him in a row. Yep. That does nothing for me. Yep. Yikes. Yep. And his response is basically not, I want to argue against your interpretation of the scriptures, but I want to walk by myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I know what I can get away with by myself. And I know that I don't have to deal with guilt by myself. And I, you know. I can cordon uh, off what I don't want to think about and I no have, one will bring it up. How much more time would you have Right. If you didn't have to wake up early on a Sunday and, you know, come and fellowship and you didn't have to be somewhere on Tuesday nights and you didn't have to be somewhere on Sunday nights. And, you know, if you didn't have any of that, wow, I mean, my schedule opens up. Sounds miserable, yeah, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd have more time for me. Well, absolutely. It sounds miserable because we're understanding that what we're experiencing here is the bride of Christ looking forward to the return is what we will have a fullness of when he returns. So, you know, we're already getting that kind of foretaste of heaven uh, here, and we're realizing that, and we're loving that. Um, uh, the unbeliever, that's 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 torturous to me. Yeah, you know, you I know? think of um, the scenes in Arrested Development, which, gosh, for a show <laughs> that, that got a little blue in its humor frequently, really had some uh, on-the-nose uh, kind of critique of of the way the church presents itself and sometimes thinks of itself, uh, and, and when <laughs> the the really religious girlfriend mm. wants to spend the whole day and the, they show it mm. and they're like in a book and like the old man's trying to show him where in the book they're singing this thing that's got no you know discernible melody and the words don't really mean anything mm. and everyone's miserable but they're all committed to doing it and later on the girlfriend says uh, I I thought that you and I had the same idea of fun, that it was study and, uh, you know, the Bible and prayer. And he goes, no, no, I like your idea of fun, not having it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just kind of, that's that's what the world sees. Mm -hmm. when they, Or I remember one time my pastor rolled in a VCR and a TV for like a Sunday evening talk. And he's like, this is what the world thinks of Christianity. This is going to go over your head too because of uh, the age gap. But uh, there was a movie called uh, Sister Act. Uh, oh, you got to see Sister Act, man. Whoopi Goldberg plays a mm. lounge singer who witnesses a murder, and she's brought into a convent witness protection program. Oh, wow. The incomparable Maggie Smith, Dame Maggie Smith, is the mother superior. Uh, and Kathy and Jimmy uh, is is one of the nuns, uh, Hank Hill's wife, Peggy Hill. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, Peggy it's Hill. A, it's a fun movie. But uh, at the beginning, there's a scene where the choir, the nuns are part of a choir, and they're singing, and it's so painful. And it's this, you know, they're trying to do this massive choral piece and, you know, one of them's asleep and one of them's deaf and everything. And then he says, that's what the world sees. And then he fast 
forwards to the scene where Sister Mary Clarence, which is Whoopi Goldberg, takes over the choir and starts teaching them slightly like Christianized versions of like Motown songs and stuff and, and like oldies. So they're singing My God instead of My Girl. And uh, it's really good. And people start pouring in from outside. And I remember even then thinking like, I think the problem here, and I, and I love that pastor and I love him to this day. And I, I, he may have had a greater point. I was probably all of 14 when this happened. He may have had a greater point uh, in service to this. But I remember thinking the problem here is not that the church needs to present itself in a worldly way, uh, but that the world is going to see holy things as yeah. boring and unimportant. And yes, Jesus did, you know, feed people and that brought crowds um, and he healed people and that brought crowds. And then he taught them the gospels. I mean, there's some room for that for sure, but we don't want to alter the core of what we have. Yeah. Well, we, we can't forget that when he starts teaching, especially after he feeds, right? Everyone looks and says, well, this is a hard teaching. I don't want to hear that. And they leave. And the people that stay are his core group of disciples, right? Where else could we go? You have the words of life. And then a little um, later, he says, you're only following me because you want food. So no food today. Yeah. You want bread from yeah. heaven? Then we'll talk. Yeah. The darkness loves the darkness. And the light has overcome it. That's that's the promise that we're looking forward to. And it has occurred, of course. But it, it's not going to love the light. It'll never love the light. And if we turn it into some kind of dim modeled light that the world will accept, we have- We partially cover it, right? Yeah. Of course, we don't cover the light. We let right. the light shine. Put like right? a film in front of it, and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Fun shadow puppets on the wall. Yeah. Look at those. Careful. Know. Yeah. We got to be careful with that stuff. And it, it gets into a whole discussion we don't yeah. have time to have about contextualization of the gospel and things like that. I don't, by default, condemn anything that I see- truly being an effort to bring people to the gospel or to get the gospel out to people. Hmm. But, uh, you know, the, the old phrase, what you win them with, you win them to, sure. is something to bear in mind. I think one of the saddest things that happens here, ignorance fumbled in his breast pocket for a certificate, but found yeah. none. That sentence just gets me, dude. Because he thought he might have it. He, he really expected he had what he needed. Yeah. And he can't say no one told me. But it's still sad that he's he's like he's like you know that feeling where you thought you had the document or the homework or the whatever that you need and then you realize you don't and that spike of panic or, and or oh we, it's awful sad we thought we really genuinely believed something or thought something or it it yeah we we thought something was a way that it wasn't and in those moments where you're breathless and you're trying to figure out oh that's odd because. Right before I crossed the river, I did have it. I had assurance, false yeah. assurance. Yeah, you know, but it. I. I. I was so sure. I was so sure. Um, Whatever that was has turned to vapor now, though. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've gone over that river. You don't take anything false with you, right? I mean, right. Like, it seems that they're the only thing that they have with them is the scroll. At least the yeah. Christian and 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 hopeful is their their certificate. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's an inconsistent, I think, picture mm. here. Does just the armor fall away? Which, you know, I guess well, let's take a moment to talk about that. Um, you don't need faith, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, salvation is accomplished. Mm. So it's, you know, you don't need the protection of it around your mind because you're no longer in a, a place of temptation. Let's see. We've got the the footwear of the readiness of the gospel. Of peace. There's no one to preach the gospel to anymore. Um, you've got... 
The Sword of the Spirit, uh, that is no longer a weapon you need. The mm. Word of God, the Word himself, you dwell with him. The yeah. shield of faith, faith's not required. Righteousness is who you are. That I have that kind of sucked into yeah. his heart like promise was. The whole thing, the battle's done. And and it's, it's wonderful. And then he looks over and sees that uh, Hopeful's, what is it, his mortal clothing or something has also fallen away and they're not mm. ashamed. Like they've gone back to this state. Um, and so they must just both have in their hands. The, their assurance. Yeah but, yeah. but going through the waters, what made that happen? Yeah. Skating over it apparently doesn't. All the same, it doesn't really help you. Mm. If anything, it hurts you. Uh, so the men at the gate said, don't you have one? Ignorance had no answer, not even a word. Yeah. Gosh, that is so, this is the sort of thing that should make us go and preach the gospel right now. Mm. Pause this and go and preach the gospel to somebody like this is, this is going to happen to everyone apart from Christ. That is what we believe as, as any kind of Orthodox Christian, doesn't matter what brand names on you, what denomination, this is the teaching of Jesus. John 3, 16 is followed by John 3, 17. Uh, yes, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, God sent his son into the world. Now I'm going to have to paraphrase. Not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. And then John 3, 18, but those who do not believe stand condemned already mm-hmm. because they have not believed in the one that he said. I think that's almost yeah. on. It's probably three different uh, versions blended together. But that's that's good news, but it implies the bad news. The bad news is in force until someone receives the good news and poor ignorance bought a bill of goods. And Mm. how much worse is it going to be for whatever false teacher Mm. on TV or smiling with a thousand watt smile on his New York times bestseller taught ignorance. This gave him this false assurance that guy will be held to such a higher standard. If Dante's got it right about circles of hell, (laughs) Right. I'm starting to get angry, Daunting. so I, yeah, I got to yeah. calm down. But like, yeah, there are people that, yeah, I can increase my Instagram following by teaching a softened version, but hey, more people are reached. Yeah, with something that's going to get them via vain hope to the gates of heaven and then thrown in tail. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Good for you. I'm glad that you've got more Instagram followers. <laughs> well, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not yeah, 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 I was yeah, being yeah. sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Gen X, we're very sarcastic people. Yeah. <laughs> You're pretty people. Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, it's very sad stuff. The men of the gate told the king, hmm. but he would not come down to see him. Yeah. I, I had him saying some other stuff too, the very vainly hopeful things like over the top. Like, hey, listen, I'm not going to have to go in and see him. He's going to come down and see me. Right. Just tell him it's ignorance. We, we, we go way, way back, um, it, it, which I think is not too much of a, a stretch as to how he, Bunyan presents well, how character. he talks, there is a massive lack of reverence yes. for Christ's position as king, right? As authority, as master. And it, it, we can talk a lot about what a friend I have in Jesus, but- the imagery constantly used throughout the New Testament is one of a triumphant king, a sovereign lord, someone far above our station. Well, there's a there's a tension there. You have the transcendence, God is infinitely above us, and you have the imminence, God, God is perfectly here with us. If you lose one, now you don't have the mysterious 
person of Christ mm. uh, with two natures, right? You don't, and you don't have, you don't have Christ anymore. Yeah. If he's just your buddy, if he's just, don't worry, he winks at your sin because you're you and you breathe air and you're special. Yeah. Don't worry, he's your brother. He's, you know, think about your brother. Your brother loves you no matter what. Yeah, he is our brother because of his blood shed and the spirit of adoption. But come on, you, cool. you're really going to tell me if your brother's the king of the universe that then there's there's no reverence needed. There's no. There's well, how no do we fear? think? You know, how do we think that Joseph talked to Pharaoh, right? Even even being high up, mm-hmm. right? Well or better thought yet, of. Look at how Joseph's brothers talk to him. Yeah, oh, realize you this are is my brother. brother but yeah. my life is in your hands. Yeah, and I've wronged you, mm-hmm. and you would be justified in yeah, yeah yeah that that's a yeah. So you've got this. He's someone with authority over him, and mm-hmm. then. Yeah, wow, that's, that's a good picture. It's it's great that you you saved Egypt and you you interpreted the dreams and yet you, you we we were ready for the famines and we're ready for that, but he's not he's not, you know, showing irreverence for Pharaoh and his brothers are not showing irreverence for him. Absolutely not. That'd be insane. Yeah. He is the king, right? Essentially. Um uh, yeah, so, he's got the signet ring of the king, etc. This a, is who I am. Yeah. You're not going to disrespect me even if we are probably close you know i'm, I'm thankful to you I don't know. yeah you threw me in a well i don't know how close we are feeling. right I, yeah. I love aside that part of that story and, and that the biblical writer chooses to include it where he's like before i tell them you're safe don't worry mm. all is well i've got to mess with them absolutely right. i mean there's no way i, I mean absolutely i'm going to mess with them i'm going to make them feel like all is lost and then <laughs> Mm. It's it's such a human thing. Yeah. Uh, it's so beautiful. Um, in this case, ignorance has no sense even of that basic human reverence, let alone for a divine being. The king will come down to me. That's an insane thing to say. I don't know, man. Like, think about the prodigal son. If he's read that a lot. Okay. The prodigal's on his way back and the, the father does run out to meet him. Sure. I won't be surprised if in some sense Christ runs out to meet you. But that won't be based on your self, your your sense of self-worth but being it, because of your righteousness. But that's because of the father's goodness. Yes. Not because of the prodigal son's yes. right, right. return. He comes with he brings slumped nothing. shoulders. He comes filthy, unclean, mm. smelling like pig, penniless, having squandered everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So so ignorance reads all these things, undoubtedly. He's yeah. had he's had teachers that point him to grace, 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 grace. But no context and no overarching meta narrative of mm-hmm. uh, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Yeah, he is the main character of his story. Yeah, that's what's going on. And that yeah. you know, whereas when you're the prodigal son returning, he's like, I'm such a bit player. I'm not even playing son number one. I'm going to go back and beg for a position as a slave in my father's household. I'm willing yeah. to be that fringe uh, character in the story of my father. Mm. That that's a big difference, and yeah, that's the difference between I'm coming to beg for anything, and surprised that he runs out to meet me, yeah. and I'm coming to demand everything, yeah. and I'm incensed that he doesn't come out to meet me. Yeah, I'll just read the last couple paragraphs here. This is the end of the Pilgrim's Progress, but not the end of the Pilgrim's Digress. We're gonna mm. k- keep on talking. So the men of the gate told the king, but he would not come down to see him. Instead, he commanded the two shining ones who had conducted Christian and Hopeful to the city to go out and take ignorance and to bind him hand and foot and have him taken away. 
At that, the two shining ones took him up and carried him through the air to the door that I saw in the side of the hill and put him in there. I realized that there was a way to hell, even from the gate of heaven, Mm. as well as from the city of destruction. So I awoke and behold, it was a dream. Yeah. Gosh, that's it's three thousand degrees in here, and I have goosebumps. That is such an incredible. Mm. What what an amazing work this is, Um, and and what a great ending. There is a conclusion, but it's rhyme couplets, and you want nothing to do with it. Um, (laughs) And of course, this all is drawn from some teaching of Christ Himself uh, in Luke thirteen twenty two and following. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord. Will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. Mm. Hey, that's from the movie. No. <laughs> no. That's a very deep cut cultural reference. Hey, that's from earlier in the book. Uh, Bunyan didn't invent that. Jesus said that. Uh, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door... And you begin to stand aside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Hmm. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out and people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. Uh, I tried to get a little of that in there, too, with having the land of Beulah, which I decided and rather than renaming, just pronouncing it in the the very Hebraic, like the, the proper Hebrew pronunciation so that it sounded, I don't know more mysterious and less like somewhere your great aunt likes to buy yarn. Um, <laughs> and, and had, you know, there suddenly these, these British people in this very closed off British world are amidst a lot of different kinds of people. Um, and they can kind of understand each other. They've, mm. they've all reached the nearly the end of this road together, but for the one who would, instead of throwing himself at the mercy of the King and appeal to the blood of Christ would say, hold on, hold on. It's me. You taught in our streets. I ate and drank. You remember me? Me? Mm. Uh, that's word for word taken from Luke Old 13. high school chum. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and you're like, but that's like when, when Facebook was kind of new, uh, all of a sudden out of the woodwork, all these like uh, people like, oh, yeah, remember me? Blah, blah. And like, no, we were, never, we were never friends. I'll I'll accept your friend request, but I'm not going to pretend that we have this like great shared. We never spoke before at all. Also, I, mean, I now have a pyramid scheme for you to buy into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's not like that at all, and that this is the god of the universe. The and, great use of and this is eternity. Facebook. Not Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and speaking about binding them up, Matthew Matthew 22. Uh, the first 14 verses of this parable of this wedding feast. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized 
his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests." But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to them, friend, how did you get in without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendant, bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness. Into that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. Not having the wedding garment, obviously the equivalent of not having the certificate. And what's interesting is, yeah, outside of the city, you can blend in, yeah. right? But inside, once you come to the gate, it becomes so obvious. I forget about this. I forget about this parable a lot, but it's just, it's like the entirety of Israel's history and the church's, right, tie into it. Mm -hmm. Just all very, in 14 verses, kind of yeah. succinctly given. You know, I, I constantly was pouring my good news out to these people and they'd kill my servants or they'd burn this or they'd burn that. So I destroyed their city and I scattered them. And like, and then you like, graft in wow. this other group. Yeah. But even within them, there are these who, in fact, that's probably relevant. Um, Paul talking about don't become cocky. Hmm. If, if you would break off natural branches to, yeah. uh, to put the wild ones in, graft you in, how much quicker is he going to snap you off and restore what mm -hmm. had been there? Um, and ignorance certainly is one of those that that took for granted. Oh, I'm I'm in. I'm grafted in. So that's ignorance. That's ignorance's frightful end. Uh, any other thoughts on on that before we move on to the the really up stuff? I think that it's really great to be reading the up stuff, but let's make sure we're actually in it. I I just I think I just echo Bunyan here and check your heart. Make sure that you've you actually belong to the king. Make sure that you're not playing games um, because you want things mm -hmm. um, and yeah. you want images and you want stuff. Uh, I'd say that make sure that your life and your heart is that of repentance, that your understanding of the cross is none of your own work, but only of Christ's. Uh, yeah, I think just the basic Christian message, I think, should always be don't rush forward into just the obtaining of the stuff, put in the work now, do what needs to be done now, you know, make sure that we're genuinely going to be found in him. Let's work our salvation out with fear and trembling, um, which takes honesty and it takes Christian fellowship. Let's then pick up with Christian and hopeful as they are leaving the land of Beulah, uh, Beulah, and uh, actually Beulah. It's an interesting thing about Hebrew, the emphasis so often on the ultima, the last uh, syllable, and it makes things sound extra cool. Um, so they're leaving this land anyway, and as they leave, they notice they're a little bit sick. They're yeah. feeling uh, lovesick, or as some <laughs> some versions I have, I've, I've been reading a lot of different renderings, and there's a, an awful lot of different levels of people trying to smooth over and semi-modernize these things. One of them said, I'm just sick of love. <laughs> Which to me sounds like a country song. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sick of love. But there, this was hard, I admit. I don't know if I accomplished it or not. But it was hard to uh, present in a way that wasn't cheesy. Hmm. Um, yet it's important, I think. Because this moment, you know, before this, in the land of Beulah, the things of the world are growing strangely dim. 
they're more and more longing like Paul did for, you know, his, their reward, their, mm-hmm. their eternal home, which ultimately will be on a new earth. But just, you know, for the moment, present in the body is seeming less and less appealing. Yeah. Absent from the body and present with the Lord. I mean, this body's about done, right? Yeah. I'm poured out like a drink offering. And that becomes replaced, you know, this sense of I'm at peace with my failing and my, my impending death is replaced with, I, I don't even want to be here. I'm, I need to be with him, mm. right? There's this sickness and there's these symptoms that come with it the, and they have yeah. bouts of it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the need for that beatific vision, you know, like I need to see, I need to see his face. Yeah. I need, I need the reward, you know, at the end. I'm made for that. Mm-hmm. And the glimpses, they're just not doing it for me anymore because I, I can't get a good glimpse of anything on earth. Yeah. And and now I really, really need to see the face of my father in heaven. Yeah. Too much of too much of Christ in you to enjoy the world, you know, so you it, it becomes dimmer. And you're you you've been you've been a pastor for a long time and you've seen, you know, um saints go and the genuine ones, the people that have it together, right? I, I imagine that's that's the feeling they generally have, right? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I've, I've known a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, older saints who ask the question, why does God still have me here? Mm. I'm ready to go. I want to see him. Yeah. Um, there might be also wrapped up in that, I want to see my husband or my wife or sure. a child who went before me. But it seems that that's secondary. What they really, really want yeah. is to behold him face to face, not through this glass darkly anymore. Mm. Um, and the the notion of... Love sickness, I think, is very apt because it's not, I'm sick of the world. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm so, t- and that can be a factor. Like, yeah. I'm just, I'm so tired of the aches and pains or the stress or the feeling useless or whatever it is. But more than that, it's, I'm I'm sick with desire to be in the presence of my king. And they quote this uh, passage from Song of Songs. If you see my beloved, tell him that I am sick by reason of love. Mm. Um, I love, love, love the way the reformers, and there's a tradition that predates that as well, take that book, the Song of Songs, and apply it to uh, Christ and his church. You don't want to limit it and make it only about that, because it's also about- Marriage. It's about love. It's Mm -hmm. about, yeah, good- Love between a man and a woman in which you see a glimpse of that mystical union between Christ and his church. Yeah. And we don't want to take it too far like some have recently (laughs) (laughs) uh, into too many specifics, but here is a perfect use of it, right? Yeah. You're going to, if you see him, I, there's, there's throughout the book of, of Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, there's this, they're separated Mm. and, and there's almost like, it's almost like it almost takes place during one night and you're like, okay, they're separated, but why? He's, he's the king. If he's Solomon, if he's not, still, he's a, he's a wealthy guy, but like she's in her chamber, Mm. he's going to come to the door and she's going to be so ecstatic. Yeah. And while they're separated, if any of you see my, my, uh, if any of you see my beloved, tell him I'm sick with love. I need, I need him right now. Mm. We're the bride and we're ready to get married. Now, yeah. from uh, I forget exactly which hem it is, right? But from from heaven, he came and sought her. Oh, you know, yeah, like like yeah, that's the image that that's, we can. We're singing it this have, Sunday, dude. Probably. The church is one foundation. There you yeah. go. Yeah, oh, beautiful, beautiful yeah. image. Yeah, you know, but certainly how we should always think this idea of love sickness, this idea of as we exist in this land, right, as exiles looking forward to this place, um, 
knowing that we don't belong here, knowing that this isn't home, knowing that this isn't comfort, and knowing that we're we're not fully with in the way that we were created and intended to be with our first love, our true love. And yet his response is not, okay, fine, I'll bring you here. Hmm. It's he strengthens them so that they can bear up their sickness for some more time. Well, and what I, yeah, uh, one thing that I love, love about this is that they're not useless at the end. Right. They don't just, they don't just go away and go, look, church is a young man's game, right? Young man, young woman's game. I'm going to go watch, you know, stories or black and whites at home. I'm going to, whatever. Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, but it's, um, I, I refuse to, (laughs) I don't know. Stories or black and whites. You know, it's what old people do. But it, they refuse to be useless at the end of their lives. Mm-hmm. They realize that I can still be poured out for Christ. I can still make an impact. And 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 obviously, through the reading of this story, Christian's wife is younger. They have young children. He's obviously dying, seemingly young. You know. Yeah, it's it's unclear. It, it's unclear. But it, it's that's we, always we kind don't of know how if I he intended it. to do a part. He didn't intend to part, do a part, part two. Right. So, so maybe he's possible. supposed to be old, but then he kind of retcons sure, it later. Sure. But it. it, it this idea that no matter where your stage of life is, you know, you know, don't waste your cancer. Don't, don't, don't waste this time that you have because you are this expression of the gospel. Um, and, and they spend their time in Beulah land accepting and taking care of other people. That's a beautiful image. And it's, and it's that, it's that right. Um, on mission kind of lifestyle that we're here for a purpose. We're here to accomplish something. We have that, um, some of our brothers and sisters in, you know, you know, um, uh, the Methodist tradition, they have that idea, right, of really high-minded kingdom theology of we're not just dying and going to heaven. We're, we're making this place beautiful and ready for Christ. And that takes action and effort and time. And it takes the action and effort of time, not only of the young person, but of the old dying person as well, um, of all of us. If, you know. if we let the the young people run with it, you wind mm. up with an awful lot of ignorances. Sure, yeah. You you need the wisdom of the senior saints and those who have been through, and and you need the the wisdom and comfort of someone who's been through a lot of difficulty in life when things get difficult. And who can point you to my? Oh, your roof is leaking, but I'm about to see Jesus. Let me tell you about how beautiful that is. Let me tell you about how wonderful this is. You know. Uh, it, oh, this is happening in your life or you're running into some marital issues. You're running and it can point you to, I've been through it. I've done it. I've ran the race mm-hmm. and I can just point you to the one that will satisfy for all of those anxieties and bring you out of them with much more. Um, and I'll tell you what else this makes me think of is that I have to die with other Christians. Right. You yeah. have to, it as you near that other, that end you have to die with other people. If this doesn't tell you that, when they get into the water mm-hmm. and you see how much Christian needs hopeful, yeah, you don't know if you're going to be the Christian or the hopeful in that scenario yeah. in any given day. You got to be with other Christians to the end. Yeah. You're, you're going to need them. They're going to need you. Yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. such and a- if, Even in this, they're, they're lovesick. Hopeful helps him up. Yeah. Just about well, he other. gets struck with the same symptoms and they kind of lean on each other as they walk. Then as they continue on, they happen upon the gardener. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is standing in the midst of the way. They ask, whose gardens are these? 
who's Vineyards? Yeah. And he says, the king's, duh. Silly question. <laughs> yeah. He's not great with uh, with dialogue most of the time, except for when the prose bleeds into the dialogue, yeah. then it becomes beautiful. You should but, write him a letter. Yeah. yeah no, and I, I've said so much. When, when we talked about that loan I gave him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's in heaven right now like yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah, this is really funny, guys. How many people his bought eye, your books? His Zach? eye is like spinning <laughs> in orbit. <laughs> oh man! Uh, you know, though, fewer people bought my books, but I didn't have to have somebody else. Ooh, get me the end with the publisher. Oh wait, no, I had an agent. Never mind. That that's yeah. the whole definition of that. Uh, <laughs> the publisher probably wasn't as cool as John Allen. Uh, no, I mean J- Thomas Nelson, maybe six of one. I don't know. But I mean. If it had been Tom himself. Right. <laughs> they are the kings and they have been planted here for his own pleasure as well as the comfort of pilgrims. Yet another place on this path, and this one very, very near the end, where it's not just the wasteland. It's not like when the spirit drives Jesus out of the wilderness, um, that's what he does spiritually for us when we get saved. And there you stay until you've crossed the river. No, throughout along the way, there are so many places designed specifically for the comfort and the refreshment and the rest of pilgrims. And he's got this near the end and it's very needed near the end. And they're able, even after they get kind of a tour of the vineyards and the arbors and things to go to sleep and they start talking in their sleep. Hmm. Let me ask you something. I've never sure. asked you. You and I have, have shared hotel rooms a good number of times. Yeah. Have you ever heard me talk in my sleep? My wife tells me that I do frequently. I've never heard you talk in your sleep. Okay. Interesting. I typically sleep with headphones. On. Oh, right. So. Right. Okay. Well, at least I wasn't shrieking in my sleep or something because then- right. you would... Horrified. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's a question. If, if you were awakened, say we go to this uh, Gospel Coalition thing in September- Okay. And you're awakened by me, like, crying and shrieking in my sleep. What do you do? I, Zachy, to be honest, (laughs) I would never wake you up. One of the first stories we ever shared together in Chicago, um, I don't know if you were in, like, a low moment or you were angry. I, I I was, I was still contemplating going to seminary. And some people were writing some articles about some things about stuff they wished their seminaries would have prepared them for. And I asked you, I said, hey, you know, what do you wish? And then you snapped immediately with nothing. I had the perfect education. I had this and that. Probably a bit of, you know, (laughs) joking there. Yeah. And then you start telling me about on the trip to Israel, you shared a room with a guy. Oh, yeah. Who woke you up. Because of your snoring one time. Mm-hmm. No, not one time. Well, not one time. Right. But like, not one time. But like, but like the anger with him, it only took the one time really, right? right? <laughs> it was the one time. And I was like, oh, so that's a no-go. So it doesn't matter what kind of sounds you're making. I would never, ever. You think, to Kevin, you think I'd let this happen again? That's, that's an office thing. I, I feel, I don't see the connection between the seminary question and the- I don't, I didn't either. <laughs> I don't know why you stayed you friends were so with me. Mad. All the stories were like were me being so a jerk. angry. I was angry with you? I don't, well, okay. So I think that maybe <laughs> I had just stood on the mattress. <laughs> no, these things I are think maybe. not as significant as, uh, you know, eternity, which we're discussing yeah, in this yeah, chapter. Yeah, yeah. But, but 
I bought an air mattress. <laughs> it was the second best one at Walmart. You stood up on it. You were doing a little dance. You were you were hamming it up. You were you were performing. You were performing for me and, and John, Johnny Shekels. Yeah. And I said, dude, get down from there. That was the. <laughs> It was the second most expensive air mattress at Walmart. It's an and odd then, move, though. And it was a replacement because the one yeah. before it had sprung a leak. And I'm yeah. like, you know how it probably sprung a leak? Some people cocky goofing kid around. popping up on it, doing, yeah. a little, doing a little uh, two-step action. And then you, and then maybe that's when you were like, oh, I wanted to ask him this question. And, uh, and I can... Well, it was our third time together, too. So it was like, uh, everything had been cordial. Now the first couple times together, was there any air mattress related stuff? Like, there was no. Well, <laughs> I did cross the line with lumberjacks one time. Oh boy! The first go. time we met, yeah. Why would you? Why would you laugh at that? You said to me, "That's a genuine thing." Because <laughs> we were joking around, we were talking about <laughs> our mutual love of church history. We were really, you know, getting to know each other. And then you said, "You know what else I like?" I like I like books with a lot of pictures about uh, 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 lumberjacks. Lumber history, I do like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I didn't. I thought it was a gag. <laughs> I only knew you from gut check, and I was like, "This is a silly, fun guy. We're having a silly, fun time." <laughs> I get dead serious. <laughs> I laughed at it. I was like, "That's really funny. That's a funny oh, thing funny. for like an almost forty-year-old guy to like be into." Ha! <laughs> and you said. Why would you laugh at that? That's a genuine thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, such a critical... St- Everything's been going so well. <laughs> Your wife had come in. She said, wow, you guys are still gabbing. Ooh. Remember? Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, I guess we're still... Ga- wow, yeah. It was like hour three or something. I was like, yeah, we're really getting along here. And I was like, uh-oh. The landmine has been stepped on. Uh, I don't remember how we got here. Yeah. Those this, are just some fun stories I'm going to leave all those in for the patrons. I would never wake you up. That is the... That is the concise thing. I've never <laughs> right. heard you. I've never heard you talk in your sleep. Even if you were shrieking, horrified, terrified. You would never I would wake never me up. wake you up. I would never risk that. This might seem oddly out of place, but it does come from scripture. You've got that for us, don't you? Uh, Deuteronomy 6.11 says, Houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. This beautiful image, especially, I think it's in Jeremiah, right? Where my people have cast for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. So we have our cisterns that we make, which are broken and hold nothing that actually satisfies and nothing that actually quenches our thirst. And then we have God's provision here, which satisfies completely. And he makes sure to highlight for us that we did not fill them. We didn't do any of that work. Yeah. None of the... None of the way, especially towards the end of the walk here, none of this grace is created by us. And particularly the, the talking in their sleep. Mm. Uh, you got to kind of go to the King James yeah. to find this translation. But uh, Song of <laughs> Solomon 7, 9 says, the roof of thy mouth. This, this Solomon's always going for the deep cut, uh, you know, kind of compliment. Your, your mm-hmm. navel's like a goblet, your... Your uh, what? Your hair is a flock of sheep or Thing goats no, or something. No sane working person would ever think to right, say. Right, right. That's a that's a weird that's one. That's a rich thing to say. <laughs> this one's even weirder. When's the last time? Now you love your wife. Yeah. And I'd I, say so. I don't want to go too deep here with with how you talk to each other uh, romantically, if you yeah. will. But have you ever taken the time to compliment the roof of her mouth? 
<laughs> because this is what he says, the roof of thy mouth, like the best wine for my beloved that goeth down sweetly, causing the lips of those that are asleep to speak. So they've eaten these grapes and now in their sleep, they're speaking in their sleep. I think the, the beauty of it is like when they wake up, their dreams are, you know, when you wake up from a, a good dream and you're like, oh no, I, I wish that was real. Yeah. It's about to be real. Whatever the dream was, it's going to be better than you dreamed. Mm-hmm. And that is evidenced in seeing the city mm. shortly hereafter. And they can see that it's both uh, gold reflecting the sun and also shining with its own light. Yeah. And we've got a passage here from the book, the old book of Revelation. Revelations? What, which is it, Alex? You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> just to just to irk you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Revelation 21:18 says the wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold like clear glass. And I love when people talk about, oh, they had such a limited knowledge of of physics and science. There's mm. no way for gold to be so pure it looks like, yeah, okay. Mm. Kind of the point. Yeah. On earth, there is no way for there to be. So so it's unattainable this mm. is this is even a we can't even shoot for it here mm. the level of glory yeah there's no describing it even even bunyan doesn't try to follow them into the city and really describe what they see um he's he's left outside and i think that was a smart move on his part uh and just the the beauty of the place can only be described with superlatives mm. and once you've done that, you've kind of described it and you have to wait and see what it's really like. Yeah. This is when they come upon those two shining ones, the same yes. two that have uh, chucked ignorance through that door. And they're much more helpful with our two pilgrims here in that they ask them all about their journey mm. and then warn them two more difficulties and that's it. Yeah. What are the two difficulties? That's my question. Yeah. So it seems that we have death and presenting the assurance. Right, which doesn't right. seem that difficult for you. Unless you're ignorant. Right. 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 Unless yeah, so you're one of those who's, because everyone still has to go through mm-hmm. the river, yes. whether they're going to be found or not. So it's appointed unto every man to die once and after that to judgment. And these are the two difficulties. That's it. That mm-hmm. remain for them. Yeah. And they're not going to be easy, especially not the first one. Mm-hmm. But there's that promise. After that, you are in the city. And yeah. they've, they've, kind of promised them here. So there's assurance, real assurance, not some rando fairy guy in his hut that I stumbled upon. He's like, oh, you'll be fine. Yeah. But the two of the shining ones telling you, yes, I've heard your story. I see you're, you're holding the right document. Hmm. Be, be faithful to the end, overcome to the end, and yeah. you will enter into his presence. Yeah, so I think what's interesting is that they immediately start looking for a bridge. Yeah, right. so the ignorance in them are on the same wavelength. Yeah. There must be a way across here. You go over rivers. Yeah. You don't go through them. Look, we've learned our lesson. We're not going to deviate from the path, but on the path, there's always been some semblance of a way Right, we didn't see those stepping stones in through the, the, in, slough, in the slough, but they were there. Yeah. So tell me, where are the stepping stones across this river? Where's, Where's the, the hidden bridge? bridge? Where, yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. Nope, you got to go through. You this is the last it. thing. All men have to do it, and- you know, yes, there are, there is one other way somewhere else. You mm-hmm. can't find it. Only two people have ever. What's interesting is only two people have ever walked it. That's, of course, Enoch and Elijah. Um, and those are because Enoch, it says uh, he walked with God and then he was not for God took him. And 
that could mean any number of things. It's very vague, but the tradition is that that God just gathered him up, you know, the assumption into heaven, and then uh, and then Elijah uh, was taken up in a fiery chariot and a whirlwind, and of course, then there's also been uh, Moses, but he died, hmm. and then his body was taken up um, after being fought over for a while. It seems, uh, depending on how much Deuterocanonical you stuff you you accept. And then so, uh, the Roman Catholic doctrine of the so Assumption she, of Mary. Mary? Even yeah. she died, mm. and then her body taken so that it would be incorrupt. So, like, no matter what tradition you're at, we've got mm-hmm. two people, and that way's closed. Not even Jesus, mm-hmm. especially maybe not Jesus. He went through the river for us. He he walked, and, and he had the hardest time, the most dragging him down, the choppiest waves. He walked through it so that we could follow him through it. And we know... That's a, you know, Christ went through everything a human does. Hmm. And it's easy to say, well, you know, the one thing everyone has in common, everyone who's ever lived is that they've died. So it's not inspiring to me. But when you can follow someone who defeated death Hmm. through that river, uh, that, that is inspiring. That is comforting. That is something that should give us hope, true hope, not vain hope. And then of course, pointing to, and it's not, uh, it, it shall not be used again until the last trumpet. Sounds. Oh, right. Yeah. So, so there are those who will be caught up at whatever time the Lord comes. Whatever your uh, eschatology is, mm-hmm. it better have room for that. Yeah. Uh, for for a pre-millennial dispensationalist, it would be, you know, a, a rapture that would happen kind of secretly. Mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, Amul like us, uh, it would be still the catching up at the second coming of Christ. Yep. Those who are alive, but they have to wait. Because mm-hmm. those who are taken first are those who are dead in Christ who mm-hmm. will be uh, raised first. I've never heard this comparison apart from Bunyan before mm-hmm. uh, between like the catching up of those at the second coming of Christ. And we've had a little bit of this with uh, Elijah and mm-hmm. Enoch before. Right. Um, you know, when you think of two witnesses in uh, Revelation, you think of Moses and Elijah uh, because those two witnesses obviously kind of have the prophetic and miraculous powers of Moses and, and Elijah. Uh, so then no bridge and the way across that doesn't, you know, go through it isn't open to you. Okay. So then let's think logically. Is all the water the same depth? Right. You know, yeah, like, like, yeah. Oh, so it's there's maybe be, some kind of sandbar yeah. situation yes. in here. Yeah. There's a that, spot where, yeah, it's, it doesn't go up, you know, beyond your solar plexus. You're okay. Yeah. And then the Shining Ones just said, no, they could offer no further help or guidance except to say, you shall find it deeper or shallower as you believe in the king of the place. And and and, and that's true of life, right? I think, I think and of death. Some pe- yeah, well, and of, of death, I meant. Um, you know, I, uh, you read about some of the church martyrs throughout church history, and you hear about them singing and yes. joyfully going into this death and you say wow passing that river was pro-, you know you know you know it was a Stephen, river of fire from them Stephen, for them. as he's being yeah. stoned to death i'm going to pray for other people forgive them his I'm face gonna, is like that of an angel i've already seen jesus mm-hmm. you know man that must have been a quick walk through you know he's like, there's so no I got doubt two things going on you're throwing stones at me but i'm also seeing christ and seeing Christ makes it so I'm not really noticing the stones. Your stones are lame. I'm and passing. Yeah. yeah I'm like, yeah, that that's the the best case scenario, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. 
That's right. hopeful. Without Christian there, I think hopeful, not only would he have been fine, he would have probably had a, a more peaceful death. Because mm, he's not trying to hold his friend up yeah. throughout his friend's death. Yeah. But I mean, again, what a testament to Christian fellowship. What a testament to brotherhood, sisterhood, you know, uh, to the fact that we are one body. Uh, you know, we are one church. And that is the continual call for us. Let's bear one each other, you know, let's bear one another up through their burdens, including the burden of death. Well, yeah. You know? and, and I find that a lot of Christians, especially today, mm. in a world where we have really sanitized our lives and, and death is not something we encounter It's no longer an frequently. enemy. It's no longer an enemy. It's not something that's going to be put under the feet. Even when it is an enemy, we want to, you know, just pretend it's not there. Mm. So often you can find, you know, if, if I'm going through – uh, time of depression or sorrow or a sickness that it's pretty sure I'm going to make it through a lot of cards, a lot of visits, a lot of stuff. But, mm. but when someone is at the very, very end, the way the church used to act was the church's presence was very much felt continually all the way through that process. And now it's very unusual mm. for Christians to gather at the bedside of a dying saint. Um, and that leaves the, the Christian um, who's, you know, finding that the water's too deep and, and he's sputtering or she's going under on their own. Hopefully a family member with them is also a believer, but that's not a foregone conclusion. That's the role of the church to be there and for, for a minister to be there with them and for the deacons to be there with them and for even just their friends. I've seen it done very well here at our church. I've seen it done not that well, both by myself and by others, but it's important. It's an important ministry, ministry to the dying. Mm. Even the world recognizes that, I think, you know, for all the recent exposés about how she didn't use any painkillers or anything or whatever, and she was a bad person. The world still, if you say Mother Teresa, mm. if you're using it flippantly, you're saying this person is very good and kind. Mm. What is she known for? Ministry to the dying. Those mm. who are, they're not getting better. It'd be easier just to try and forget they're there, but she couldn't, right? Mm. And And for a Christian to not be willing to take time for the dying or people who are going through the river because, hey, they don't, they're not going to be here tomorrow. Rooted in the here and now is very worldly. Mm. What, kind of, what kind of ministry to the dying have you seen that's been very well done? I think that I had a, uh, I had a man who was very, very in, integral through the sharing of his gospel to his son and his son, you know, the one who really led me to Christ. When I saw the amount of people that he had taught over the years, like just in his life and around him and ministering to him and thanking him mm. and getting to express the fact that because of his Bible teaching, because of his, you know, faithfulness to Christ, you know, you know, here's my life. Here's what I've done for Jesus. Here's, and, and, and I owe a part of that to you because mm -hmm. you emulated Jesus. And I was just emulating you as you emulated Jesus. And to me, his comfort then in the end where he said, I want to die at home. You know, I, uh, I, I'm dying of some, some pretty painful things, but I want to be fairly lucid when I go. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll see Jesus face as and, I'm going. And, you know, uh, just to, just to be able to see that people coming around and assuring you and saying that, Man, any doubts you have in your mind about who you are pointing people towards? Let me let me squash that. And and I I don't know if it's too personal, but I think that I think that the you know 
story with you and your dad. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, that's it. It worshiping mm-hmm. with one's family, yeah. with someone that you've led to Jesus and who's leading other peoples to Jesus, and they're just with you in your last moments. And the the thought of is going from worship into worship. Yeah, going right? from. Yeah, me chopping at a backpacker guitar that the B string won't quite stay in yeah. tune, uh, and sort of crying while I sing, so it doesn't sound good anyway. To angelic choirs, yeah, that may have been. He might have lasted another three weeks had I not been there. Mm. Uh, and he and he, <laughs> yeah, he's he's not only sick with love, but sick of hearing me. No, I think <laughs> I think actually he loved he loved that, and and yeah, the idea of worship on in the face of death mm. is something that. Very few religions even have a category for. Yeah. Like, okay, this battle's over here. There's yeah. no coming back from it, but that doesn't matter because death is defeated. And so I can worship in the face of death, knowing that I'm going to be worshiping in, before the face of my God soon. Well, and, and, and the strange idea that the reliance on God, you know, would end in your last most vital moments is an oddity, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, he's been here and I've worshiped him, you know, every Sunday for however many years and I've prayed to him every day and I've, I've read through the scriptures and this, that, but with this time period, that comes to an end. And I, I, I that's not how you're going to face it. This is your, this is your most va- vulnerable time. You know, you haven't been this vulnerable since you were born. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Now, now you're probably wearing a diaper again. Uh, now, now you're, you're, you're un- unable to get up by yourself and walk around. You're very yeah. weak. And I think that's why Christians whose quote unquote gospel hope is no mm. longer that I belong body and soul and life and in death to my yeah. faithful savior, Jesus Christ, not to myself, but as now, you know, he'll help me live out my dreams and overcome the adversity of my low self-esteem or whatever. Help me kill my Goliath. Now I don't want to be around people who are dying because that is going to put a big dent in the side of this construct that is my faith. Hmm. If we can get back to a real biblical faith where it is Christ dying on a cross to defeat sin and death and all of these things are realities and and every day is death, Hmm. death to self, mortifying the flesh um, and willing to die even physically, if need to be, take up my cross and follow him. It's all rooted. It's a, and in many ways, without the concept of death, you don't even have a Christianity to preach. Now we can, I think, be more comfortable gathering around a dying saint mm-hmm. and worshiping together. Yeah. Not worrying that seeing that person who used to be strong, now very weak, is going to hurt my faith. Mm. No, it's going to strengthen me because what I'm seeing is that's passing away, but I know mm. what's about to happen. And for for a and for Bunyan, he lives in the world. You know, we we can say what we want about the state of religion in that day, and the state of uh, especially the oppressive uh, state church in England. Uh, but at least there was still a sense of this has to teach me how to die. Mm. Whatever form of Christianity, whatever form of religion I embrace, it has to teach me how to die or it's useless because the reality of death hadn't yet been pushed off. And it's only something you think of in the very last 1% of 1% of 1% of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Dying well. Yeah. Without that, I mean, if 
yeah, seriously, if, if I, I'm, I'm offered life more abundant hmm. and you can twist that into that means you're going to have a sweet house and a couple boats, or you can recognize what that means and, and say that if it doesn't also include life eternal, and if this isn't something that teaches me how to die and walks me through death and walks me up into the presence of God, it it's not really worth anything. Yeah. And yet people often try to chop that piece off of it and then twist it and shine it and turn it into something that, oh, well, it's just another tool. You know, mm. just like meditation's important, having a sense of, you know, the divine is important. And one manifestation of that might be this Bible. And Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's just going to make you an annoying person, honestly. I'd rather hang out with an atheist. Yeah. <laughs> As they go through, of course, they have very different experiences of death as Christians do. And I don't think it necessarily indicates for certain different levels of faith throughout their lives. It could just be different death scenarios. Hmm. Granted, if you get hit by a car and you're lying there for 10 seconds and you see the sky open up, it's probably not the hardest thing in the world. The hmm. person who has, you know, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease that's going to be different. It's going to, so I don't think we want to say necessarily Christian's faith is weaker than hopefuls, although it, I don't know. It, I, hopefuls does seem more constant. He has more constancy, hmm. but Christian says, I'm never going to, I'm never going to see it. I'll never make it there. I will not see the land that flows with milk and honey. Yeah. The sorrows of death have totally encompassed me. And then he starts talking about uh, the, the deep water, the billows go over my head. All the waves go over me. Selah. Uh, he's getting into the psalm type language, uh, and there's a couple of references here. You have one of those? Uh, psalm 69, 1 and 2. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep water, and the flood sweeps over me. Mm. Yeah. Pretty common picture of uh, troubles that mm. you know you can't save yourself from when there's nothing underfoot, and if you're in mire, you can't really swim either. Uh, we don't know the makeup how how this water. That would have been an interesting thing to do. If the well, water felt he, more like normal water to hopeful, and felt more like kind of sludgy, slimy, well, thicker stuff to Christian. Be courageous, my brother. I feel the bottom, and it is firm. That's mm -hmm. his response, right? I'm already at the bottom. Yeah. I'm in the water. Just put your feet down. Yeah, come on. And Christian is unable to do that. I mean, uh, this is all, this is all, you know, an argument made of from silence. But I mean, part of Christian's, you know, trepidations probably also could be that he's leaving behind a family, right? And seemingly yeah. hopeful is not. Mm -hmm. He's not kissing wife goodbye and children goodbye, and realizing that his opportunities to express the gospel to them. Right. Are gone. He's living by an unbelieving Unbelieving family. family. He yes. has no idea. And what a hardship that has to be. You know, you know, what an absolute hardship that that has to be to say that I've done my best to express the gospel to you as beautifully as I can. And we'll you see. Know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I will trust in my, you know, faithful covenant God that he's the redeemer of households. But yeah, Hopeful's got one friend mm -hmm. and they're going together. And they're dying together. Yeah. Let's do Which it. Which always, I've always, whenever I read this, I think like there's already a category for martyrdom, hmm. but it kind of seems like these guys must be going to uh, that kind of death. Why yeah. else are two 
men, neither of whom seems overly old and, and who have a gap between their age large enough to be pointed out several times, why are they both dying on the same day? Mm. You know, it seems like they're going to a joyful death. And, you know, is there some way around this? No, you've got to go through it. It's, it's hard to suss out exactly. Especially what with the allegory. Yeah. And they just happened to get there at the same time. Who knows? Okay. Who knows? Maybe. It, yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful picture, whatever the case. Mm. It's a beautiful picture, whatever the case. Another text here that, that relates um, is from Jonah's prayer uh, when he is in the belly of the fish and he's summing things up. Uh, in Jonah chapter two, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. He answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried and you heard my voice for you cast me into the deep into the heart of the seas and the floods surrounded me, all your waves and your billows passed over me. So, you know, the notion of losing all hope, hmm. which Jonah apparently did before he was saved sure. in that moment, and which Christian seems to do here. Um, what happened to his armor? It's not dragging him down, but it's also, it may be the only thing, you know, keeping him from sinking to the bottom, but it's also a, not protecting him from the doubt. Yeah, what a crazy thought though, that, this thing that's kept you safe, right, is the thing that's holding you down. Your salvation, your faith, your truth, like it, this armor is the thing that's holding you down. Yeah, but that would be the only thing that would occur to you, right? Yeah, it must be the armor. No, the armor is giving you buoyancy, he says, right? The, yeah. The, the, this armor is actually having the reverse effect. That's not Bunyan, but I. Yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah, so it's, maybe it's the only thing that's holding me up. It's not dragging me down. And it's me. It's something inside of the mm. armor. It's me, my mm. heart of lead or something. And if your your faith wavers, and I think we've built up a Christian death too much as well. We, t we tell the only stories we tell are the ones that are very up and comforting and mm. positive. And so when someone's expecting death to be this transcendent thing, it's kind of like childbirth, right? You hear these stories. Oh, beautiful. Oh, it's this beautiful, it's, miraculous thing. Yeah. I, I remember my wife yeah. wasn't expecting that because she's too smart to fall for, for these things. <laughs> but like afterwards, she's like, yeah, it confirmed for me. It was just painful and, uh, you know, awful. And then there's this wonderful life in your arms and, and you know, it fades into the background a bit, uh, the memory of it rather quickly uh, because of the love and, and because of what you've accomplished. But it's not a beautiful transcendent thing. And mm. death, I mean, that's because of the fall, mm. right? That there's pain in childbirth. And it's because of the fall that we have this death, which is entering into the unknown. It's scary no matter who you are. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what it will be like going through the river, even if we have all the faith in the world that on the other side of it is someone waiting for us. And so this notion that it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be transcendent, it's it almost like sanctifies it to the point where it's God's plan. Mm. No, death is not God's plan. I even remember a, a gentleman, he was a Lutheran by confession and, and maybe a bit of a uh, nominal Christian, especially at the time, I think, but he said something about, oh, did you hear about that boy who drowned in that hotel pool? He was only six. It was so terrible. And then a little while later, well, I suppose that's, I suppose that's natural. And I hmm. said, that's, that's the least natural thing in the world. That's as far from God's plan and intent and desire for us as you could possibly get. This is because of our contribution to the story, hmm. the fall. And so when we get there, if there's doubt, if there's, um, you know, like darkness, not light. Yes, yeah. you are in death is tied to fall. The only part of the story, creation, fall, redemption, and consummation that doesn't make any sense is our contribution, is fall. So yeah. sin makes no sense. Sickness makes no sense. How could God allow that? Death makes no sense. And so, of course, Christian's going to struggle with it. 
I forgot, I forgot the name of the brother, but one of the brothers martyred in the Reformation in England. Him and his friends are brought to the tower, recant, or you're dead. All of his friends say, nope, kill us. It's a gospel or nothing. And he recants. Um, so in the face, up into it, all of his friends are there making the confession. Nope. And he recants. And then, you know, the, the story is that he is so wrought with guilt over it that he goes back. He goes, nope. Kill me. Yeah. Gotta kill me. You know? Uh, but yeah, the fear the reality of what death is, the questioning, is this what I really believe? Um, you know, we have the we have the story of Luther, right, facing down the diet of worms. I will not. No, he took a time. He said, let me yeah. go pray. Yeah. I'm gonna, let me go pray night. about this. Yeah. Let me go and, think and about this. He, he asked for 24 hours, I think, um, but I bet he would have taken more. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you're about to kill me. Like, like that's that's what's on the table, right? It's It's martyrdom. Okay. Yeah, by God's grace, he was I gotta think about rescued that. and yeah. captured and brought you yeah, know, to, to uh, another castle. But yeah. Is this what I believe? Is this truly down to its core? Am, am, am I willing to die for uh, these you know, you know, complaints? This uh, pile of my writings that's on a table right in front of me. Yeah. Is that worth dying for? Well, if they if contain the gospel, the gospel. It is. You know, but it so yeah, I think I think to say that it's always this quick trigger, you know, that we go, yep, bring it, death. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably a little silly because it is a scary, terrifying thing. And, and if we take our eyes off of like Peter, right, we take our eyes off Jesus for a moment, you sink down into that water, mm -hmm. you sink right. down into that, you know, uh, the, you know, belief that I'm not going to see the land overflowing with milk and honey. Like I, I'm, I'm not going to be there. No, we have to keep our eyes fixated on Christ throughout our death. I um, wouldn't have been surprised by nor objected to had he had him go under like Peter mm. and then a hand comes down, he grabs it thinking it's hopeful and comes up to find that it's Jesus. Christ pulling right. him up. But that would have probably undercut the the beauty of the moment when they finally mm. come into his presence. But uh, yeah, that that is a, a, but yeah, that has happened before in scripture, right? Mm. You take your eyes, that's unknown territory. If you're Peter mm. and you're saying, call to me to come out to you on the water. I've never done this before. Mm. I'll do it as long as I can see you. But once he's pulled under a bit and he loses sight of the city and the light is gone and it's darkness. And then I gave it a little more time and, and, and description. Mm. Um, but the idea that he's pulled under and he sees all these demons and mm. hobgoblins and creatures beneath the surface just waiting and trying to, and he feels their, their arms and hands yanking him down. That's original to Bunyan. And so being pulled down and saying, I was supposed to see the face of Jesus and I'm seeing the face of Apollyon just laughing and sneering at me. And we both know that's it. I'm not making it. I'm mm. not, I'm not going. Hopeful's not strong enough. Yes, he is. Mm. And ultimately the reason hopeful can pull him up is because it's Christian's faith, right? Yeah. The water's going to be deeper or shallower based on his faith and what all hopeful really ultimately does for him. Remind it, him of it. Remind yeah. him of it. Yeah. Remember and, and what's funny is when you read the things Hopeful says that don't work, hmm. and then the one that does, there's nothing particularly better about the one that does. Hmm. It's just that he's been there consistently reminding him of, and, and I've, I've noticed this too. I had a guy one time who was a, a veteran, and uh, he had told me, this was in a different ministry context from here, but he had told me that he uh, had done some, some terrible things in his life, and I think probably some of them had been uh, in uniform uh, that haunted him to to the very end. And he was quite sure that that God just wouldn't have him, even though, mm -hmm. you know, he'd been baptized and said the right prayers and and tried to, you know, 
have Jesus in his heart and all these buzzwords and things that have been around him. And I preached the gospel to him again and again and again and again and again in different ways, trying to find. And ultimately, and this I think is really beautiful because A, it didn't give me any confidence in my flesh or my ability because mm. I didn't say something eloquent and it went and it fixed him. And B, it reminded me of the power of both Christ and the gospel and the sacrament. Uh, I w- I came to, to his bedside. Uh, it was emphysema and it was, I mean, mm. it, it's hard to watch somebody go from that. You know, it's like a, a movie where someone, the way you know they're sick is they've got a white handkerchief with blood on it that they yeah. keep putting in their mouth. Um, and I, I brought the Lord's Supper and I just said the regular words of institution. And as I prayed, I, I, I like subbed in his name instead of saying, you know, us, uh, our sins, our blood. I, I said his name for everything. And so he took the bread, he took the cup, we prayed again. He was exhausted. I left. And the next day I went, he was no longer responsive. His son said, I don't know what you said to him yesterday, but it completely changed his countenance. Mm. He, he was in such peace and it's almost like he'd been fighting to, to stay around because he was not. In, and now and now I think he's going to die peacefully. He did die peacefully. At the uh, funeral, I said, I've got, I got to tell you this. The big secret is I didn't say anything. Hmm. I said these words and I read the words of institution. It's all Jesus. And for whatever reason, in that moment, even though these other things, you know, he kept being pulled under that water, under that river, couldn't see the city. Just pointing to the body broken for him, the blood shed for him was what it took. And in this case, after giving him, you know, he reads him scripture. He reminds him of of all these things that are true. Christian says, no, no, that's only true for you. No one's waiting to welcome me into the city. And then I saw in my dream that Christian was in deep thought for a while so that hopeful spoke to him further. Be of good cheer. Jesus Christ makes you whole. Hmm. And with that, Christian exclaimed with a loud voice, oh, I see him again. And he tells me when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. Then they both took courage with the result that the enemy then became as still as a stone mm. until they had finally crossed over. Man, that's amazing. But yeah, that simple statement, Jesus Christ makes you whole. That was what he needed to hear at that moment. Or or that was just long enough of him overcoming that he was granted renewed faith yeah. or strengthened by by God. Wow, that's that is such a powerful passage. And of course, the language comes from the Song of Moses uh, about pilgrims uh, by any other name going through another river or another mm-hmm. body of water, which is the uh, Red Sea. Uh, and here in Exodus fifteen sixteen, we read, Terror and dread falls upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone. So God is able to silence and still our enemies. And that's the end of enemies for Christian. Mm-hmm. He will be, as uh, the the Shining Ones are going to remind him on the way up, he'll be present for the great battle. Yeah. He'll be present for judgment, but there's not any striving or dying or any of that. It's mm. it's going to be very one-sided. Yeah. When Jesus comes on the full of an ass, people can mock and laugh and, and pull out his beard and kill him. But when he comes on the white horse of war, yeah. everybody luck. is going to say, mountains fall on me, please, so I don't have to face the, the wrath of the lamb. There are an awful lot more passages you could read if you want to read every single uh, referent 
of everything that the shining ones say as mm-hmm. they bring them up into uh, the presence of God to the gate. And I mean, every, everything they tell them to expect from seeing the tree of life, uh, the white robes, uh, all of this stuff, it's all rooted in scripture. Real ministering spirits. Yeah. Ministering yeah. spirits are going to point you yeah. to the truths of the Bible. Mm. They're not going to point you to cute little poems or, uh, you know. Look at the footprints. Yeah. Yeah. That's, isn't or that the... great hope as you die? Or there's an episode of Scrubs that makes me so mad. Oh, uh, Scrubs, yeah. a, a show that I love. Mm. Um, one thing that irks me about it, they never once showed a clergyman there ministering mm. to anyone in the hospital. I thought that is absurd. I bump into fellow uh, pastors and chaplains and stuff all the time in all the hospitals around here. Um, that's a, a reality of, of hospital life. But they never, even though they dealt with spiritual uh, you know, questions and stuff, they never had that. When, when uh, they needed someone to do a wedding, they happened to have a priest who was in, in a hospital bed. And I'm like, okay, sure. Right. But uh, one thing that, that really irked me was that they didn't have that anywhere, but one of the kids in the hall, uh, you remember that show? It was a Canadian sketch comedy show in the 90s. Uh, so no, no. Nope, nope. Well, he was he was a very funny, um, he's a very funny comedian, uh, but he played like an emotional support guy. He okay. was like uh, there to treat them emotionally. And so Dr. Cox being very yeah. grumpy and skeptical and an atheist to boot would mock him all the time. And he would say, oh yeah, God forbid you treat the whole person instead of just their their physical self. And and you find yourself kind of on the side of this guy. He's doing important work, but then there's a woman who's about to die. She's dying and he goes in and talks to her and talks about her life and talks about what she's accomplished and all this stuff. And he comes out and he nods at the two physicians and says, she's ready. And I'm like, yeah. who are you? What yeah, do you mean decide. she's ready to yeah. die? Why, why does it even matter if we're going to take God out of the equation, whether someone dies blessing. with peace or not? Who yeah. cares? They're yeah. about to just be worm food. doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, they, they could die regretting everything. And the moment they're dead, the electrical impulses that are their personhood no longer exist. So I don't care whether they were, quote unquote, ready by your standard. Mm. Is she ready to really face her? Well, you you're, you haven't helped with that. You've given her false hope. You, you, you're the ferryman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that I think is a pretty popular way for the world to approach death too. Yeah. If someone can look back at their life and say, wow, I really lived it. I really lived, you know, I didn't waste opportunities and I traveled and I, I did it all, man. Yeah. Well then I can die a peaceful death. Yeah. Okay. Like the old woman, I think it's in season one, she dies in a very, very similar way. The one who won't take uh, kidney dialysis. No, it, it, it's the one where they give that pretty pretty outdated statistic about um you know one in three people that are admitted into the hospital are going to die and then you know they pull the rug out from under you and all three of their patients die uh-huh and jd has the old woman and jd's struggling with well i i've been in school for so long i, I just I'm, I'm afraid i'm wasting life and then he has the old woman and the old woman's like well i and then she like has like been forrest gump or something <laughs> You know, or some garbage like that. And then and then she's like, sweetie, just the best thing that I do every day is I just take time to lay in the grass. Well, that's just really stupid, though. You yeah. know, like like this idea is like, yeah, so this like he's actually struggling with this concept of, well, am I wasting my life? Am I wasting my life? A really important question that people should be asking. And she's like 
just go lay in some grass. How does John Piper answer the question of whether yeah, we're wasting right, our lives? Yeah, right, or something like that. <laughs> or, 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 or how does scripture right. you know, like, like, re- repeatedly point to the fact that like, right, this time that we're spending is so short and it's we're supposed vapor. to be yeah. redeeming the time for the days are evil, right? And yet like, yeah, I'm just going to go lay my head in like, not that, not that taking rest sure, from like strenuous work is, is, but like, why are you laying in the grass? That's what makes life not wasted. You didn't actually answer the question. Right, you exactly. just kicked the can mm-hmm. further down the street, you know, until you're in a hospital bed someday. Yeah. What? If you know, anything, it, you pre-bought your, your ferry ticket. Sure. Yeah. And I think we've kind of already dealt with that with ignorance because probably what ignorance's religious views were to his day. What you just described is to our day mm. where like, yeah, if in that day, everything was so Christianized that the civil religion, everything, you know, a- anyone who had a sense of spirituality, it was rooted in the Bible in some way. So you have to find ways to kind of emphasize certain scriptures and de-emphasize others. Now it's not rooted in the scriptures at all. Spiritual is spiritual, not religious. Spiritual is, you know, being true to yourself. Spiritual is whatever. Um, and, and so the notion that you can be ignorance and buy the ferry ticket and not even have to learn anything is appealing Mm. because, and I don't want to be the guy who's trying to like make everything tie up with a a sweet bow, Mm. but it's all about the journey, not the destination. (laughs) Then who cares? Mm. We've come now to the destination. And if you bought that ferry ticket thinking it was going to be easy sailing into you know, Nirvana or a new reincarnation or becoming stardust and giggling with the the heavens or something, you're going to find out that was all vanity of vanities. Mm. That was as much a mist as your life was. Now yeah. what are you going to do? It's too late. Yeah. Gosh, it's going to end on a downer anyway. Let's keep going. Well, yeah, yeah. Pushing ahead. And that actually brings us to one of my favorite quotes out of the entirety of the first book of the Pilgrim's Progress And it reads, then Christian and Hopeful asked, what will we be doing in this holy place? To this, they were given the answer. There you will receive the comfort that results from all of your toil and have joy in place of all your sorrow. You must reap what you have sown, even the fruits of all your prayers, tears, and sufferings for the king along the way. And their quotation is Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, then he shall reap. Uh, But it's always a beautiful reminder I think, to remember that all of our tears, all of our saddest moments, all of our trials, all of our friends turning their backs and all the things that we've sacrificed for the gospel. And, you know, we can we can say with Peter, have we not left fields and family for your sake? And and in, in here, yeah. And you will reap what you've sown. You've sacrificed all that. And Jesus' response to Peter is, and you'll receive much more. That in this sacrifice life and the life to come. That sacrifice is next to nothing, you know, uh, it, it, and and that to me is just such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful image that um, it, this this little this little uh, I think it's I think it's Francis Chan talks about you know with the with the with the white rope and he has the little red color on the end of it. He says, That's your life. Mm. It's going to count for the rest. You know, it's like a 50-foot rope. You know, it's going to count for the rest of eternity into forever. And all your sufferings are just in this little red section. They're a light momentary affliction, right? Even if they're extreme and horrible and terrible. 
their light momentary affliction in, right, uh, in scope of the vastness and the eternity and the reaping of the sowing that we will be doing um, when we are with Christ. Um, yeah, always a comfort. Ultimately, when they arrive at the gate, they see that there is something inscribed over it, mm. which is something atheists had asked about. Right. Uh, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have rightful access to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city. Uh, and that, of course, points us to Revelation twenty-two fourteen, 14, uh, the seventh last uh, verse of the entire Bible. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Mm. So there is uh, a great reward for them, and that is essentially a restoration of Eden, only far better now. Mm. Uh, when people talk about justification being, it's just if, I'm justified, it's just as if I'd never sinned, mm. that's a cute right. way to re- kind of remember what it means, but it's not true. Yeah. You're not in that tenuous position like Adam where you might fall, where you might – no, you now have, because of the actual imputed righteousness of Christ, you now have his righteousness and you will not fall. And we have the full expression of God too, that kind of Reformation era concept of like Felix Culpa, you know, fortunate fall. The idea that the fall in its evil and its depravity and all the other things that it brings, it brings us the full – image of who God is. It brings wrath and justice and mercy and grace, things that did not really exist mm-hmm. when he walked in the coolness of the day with Adam and Eve. Yeah. That's great. That's wonderful. And it, 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 it was, but it was, it was part of the image of God. It was not all of his attributes. And if we're saying that creation has to have a reason and the reason for creation is for God to, right, be worshiped, mm-hmm. um, then we need the entirety of our God to be worshipped, all of his attributes. And that only happens through the entire display of redemptive history. When we Uh, worship God, most of what we say mm. is rooted in his redeeming, right? Because that is how he reveals himself to us. Yeah. And and so we're in a better position to know him. Mm -hmm. We're in a better position to stand in awe of him. And we're in a better position simply in that it's not on us in a covenant of works yeah. as it was in the garden. It is now a fully consummated covenant of grace. Everybody come and uh, join us at the marriage supper of the lamb mm-hmm. because now this thing is as official as it'll ever get. It is eternal. It's unbreakable. It's beautiful. Mm. Uh, let's talk about just the last couple things then. Uh, I inserted a joyful reunion with faithful. I mm. thought we deserved that. Come Have on. Uh, and then for faithful to be really excited to kind of, I gotta, you gotta meet somebody. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Bring it's them good into to see the, you, but yeah, it's going to be better to see him. And, and I, to me, this is such a amazing, beautiful idea. And the notion of being someone who's gone to seminary and studied the scriptures and, and, you know, I, I've studied them for 20 years since then. And I think I know God really well, that there are all sorts of people who were, you know, Workaday Christians who just faithfully came to church and and didn't study theology deeply or didn't read the Bible in its original languages who know infinitely more now about our God than I do. Bunyan and his tinkering. Yes, the tinkerer you know. of Bedford. Yeah, mm-hmm. like this, the, the people who who are in his presence now 
They look at our attempts to describe him <laughs> if they even bother yeah. glancing at like this idea that, that the dead are obsessed with what we're doing on earth right sure. now. Sure. Uh, in the presence of God, they're like, let me turn my eyes down to that dumpster fire. No, if they glance at earth, they probably like joyfully laugh at our little cute attempts to describe or understand the God that they've seen face to face. So faithful's there to bring them into the presence and it ends a little further into heaven than Bunyan did because I was careful not to describe anything in deep detail. Yeah. But you you have to have them arrive at their destination and their destination is Christ. Mm-hmm. Not not the gold on the streets, not the beauty of the trumpets or any of that stuff. It's Christ himself. Mm-hmm. That's what we want. That's what they were lovesick for. And now they've arrived. Uh, any thoughts on that before we talk about the epilogue? Uh. No, other than, you know, ending it with Christ is important because all the other world religions will give you gold. Right. And or virgins, virgins. Yeah. And earthly, or, temporal yeah, More shots at a life things. on earth. Mm-hmm. And we can say, wow, doesn't it sound good? Does it? You know, does that sound good? You know, if, if that's your idea of good, let's, let's, let's ask questions about your relationship with Jesus then. Mm-hmm. You know what your really what 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 your real goal is at the end is it to see him, or is it to see the gold? Is it to see the you know inlaid brick or something? Is my real hope to be reunited with friends and uh, family members who've gone before me, or is that a little perk? Do I just not want hell? Right. I just don't want hell, so I'll take any other scenario that gets me out of eternal punishment. Eternal punishment can definitely bring us right, to the cross. Um, but I don't think it keeps us at the cross. I think a good right? question is, would a paradise mm. with no Christ there be, be heaven par- or sure. hell for you? Right. If it would not be hell for you, I don't think that you really are following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Separation from him in any context, whether it's mm. weeping and gnashing of teeth or whether there's all sorts of, you know, carnal delights or whatever's promised, I don't want any of it. Yeah. And, and at least at my at my best, yeah. when Christ is, is most present in me and I am most submitting myself to him. Um, all right, let's talk about the epilogue uh, because we're going insanely long this time and we warned people we would. Uh, there's no epilogue in the first because obviously he didn't think he'd write a sequel. He wrote one because people were writing unauthorized fanfic sequels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, That's how you know you made it. Yeah, Especially in that day, right? There's no internet even. Uh, but people are making money off of this and mm. people are believing this is, this is uh, Bunyan's work so he writes the second one. So it ends just with the end mm-hmm. isn't this beautiful, and we don't know. I think that's brilliant too. We yeah. don't know what's going to happen with Christiana and these four boys. Yeah. Um, I give a little teaser because I don't want people to unsubscribe, because <laughs> this is kind of a cool ending. There's a part two. Well, and 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 so often when you ask someone if they've read the Pilgrim's Progress, mm-hmm. they'll say yes, and then you'll start talking about Christiana, and they'll say what? Right. Right. Because you know, so often people have not read part two. When I met you, I hadn't. Yeah. And I, I think at this point, I may have read part two more than part one, and I do think it's better. It's it's a beautiful, it beautiful, yeah. It, because he's older, and he's he's not only more mature, he's a better writer. Yeah. He describes a lot more. That's something we can talk about. Yeah, yeah. We'll get yeah. into that when we get into that. So the epilogue is just, it seems they're coming back from his funeral, perhaps, mm-hmm. or at least they're yep. in a time of mourning, and there's the 
Um, these guys are going to pop up in, in part two and try to attack Mercy and her on the road. But we have the ill-favored ones that we've had since the chapter one, since the, yep. the pilot kind of thing. And they're like, this is our moment to go in, turn this grief victory. Yeah. into bitterness and keep her off that road. And they're about three steps from the porch. And here comes the shining one. Mm. He's got a glowing sword. He's got a letter for her. Now, you don't like this, but I'm going to do it. In part two, it's a guy named Secret who comes and brings the letter. Right. And I think she's going to see Secret coming up. It's going to be a different point of view. But to these ill-favored ones, hmm. do not mess with this shining one. They turn sure. and they fade back into the shadows. There's nothing we can do. Here comes the irresistible grace, the unconditional call. Yeah. And she's going to receive it. And that doesn't mean her troubles are over. Not by a long Far shot. Far from it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be where we pick up next time. If you are a, a patron, there's going to be a lot more stuff in between season one and season two that that we're going to bring you. Uh, some of it just fun and goofy. Some of it, uh, some serious conversations. Hopefully, we'll be able to do some stuff where we can involve you in the conversations. But even I think for everyone, I'm going to try and occasionally put something in this feed. Mm-hmm. And one final thing, I am going to try and uh, working with my buddy Zach, different Zach, uh, try and get a Pilgrim's Progress app going where someone who's not like a podcast person could just download this app and listen to the whole thing. I'm going to go back through it and fix some flubs and goofs that have happened along the way. Hopefully we can reach a lot more people with Bunyan's amazing work. Hmm. But in the meantime, you know what we're going to tell you. Stay on the narrow road. Thanks for listening. To support this program and for additional content and perks, visit patreon.com slash pilgrimsprogress. Make sure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, and please take a moment to leave us an honest review. This recording, copyright 2022, high and silver, all rights reserved. Produced by Brad Atchison and Zachary Bartles. Theme music licensed from pond5.com. Scripture quotations are from the ESV Bible, the Holy Bible English Standard Version, copyright 2001 by Crossway a publishing ministry of good news publishers. Used by permission, all rights reserved. For more audio experiences of my fiction, visit www.zacharybartles.com audio. Hi, and silver. Got to get friends! <laughs>